Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. This is your Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm Fergus from Arsenal Fans Forum. I'm joined by Mike and Mike, Mike in Boston, Mike in Scunthorpe, and Johnny. We're going to discuss um, Arsenal's first home win under our new manager. Look at team formations. Uh, we'll touch on the Arsenal ladies, and obviously look ahead to. Um, the game in Cardiff on Saturday. Enjoy the show, everyone. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Up the Arsenal. Welcome to um, episode 35. Uh, this is match day three. Uh, we've just played West Ham. We've just um, won our first game under our new manager, Unai Emery. I'm joined today by the two mics, not the talk sport two mics, uh, Guns and Yellow Ribbons two mics. So we got Mike in Boston in the USFA, and we've also got Mike in Scunthorpe. And uh, we're also joined by our Cockney geezer, which is uh, Johnny. How are we doing, guys? Good to be back. How's everyone doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It, Scotty, did I hear you? Were you on talk sport the other day? What was that? Scunthorpe? Do that Scun- again. Scotty, were you on were you on Talk Sport the other day? <laughs> no, it was your accent. Scunthorpe. You yeah, trying to do Northern. What are you trying to do? No, 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 no. That, 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 that's that's my fucked up accent because I've been over here this long. I'd... That was more West, West Country fair. I'm gonna that, say, yeah. Pe- pe- people <laughs> People do say I come across a bit West Country uh, sometimes uh, when they can't figure out where my accent is from. Me and Mike were talking earlier. We were doing some checks with new headset he had, and um, he was saying about he couldn't dictate which accent was coming from where. He could only was it uh, Newcastle and Newcastle Liverpool. and Liverpool. Those are the yeah. only ones that really stand out to me. Everything else, I know I'll probably get a lot of stick for it, but everything else sounds the same to me. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, the reason I asked um, uh, Scunthorpe, Mike, was um, I listened to David Seaman on Talk Sport the other day. He was on the Alan Brazil show. And I'll tell you what it was like listening to an episode of the podcast having, having Scunny on there. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't on there. No, no. Yeah, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. They couldn't, they couldn't afford you, could they? Nah, no, not a chance. Not on that show. So we had a, a little bit of a meet-up uh, down in London um, before the West Ham game. So we had uh, uh, who turned up? Um, Johnny couldn't make it because you were. You, why? Why? Why didn't? Why didn't you make it again, Johnny? I had to meet somebody to pass off a spare ticket, and I was on the complete other side of this. Of the, uh, uh On the other side, and uh, when I thought about it, I thought, Nah, they do cheap beer before the game, so I went in and got a couple of cheap beers inside the ground. And, oh, uh, do they, I heard about that. There was somebody was saying they're doing three pound fifty beers before yeah. forty five minutes beforehand. Is that correct? Up, yeah, up to forty five minutes before the game, you get three pound fifty beers. And but is it any better? Is it any better than the shit beer that you get beforehand? Well, they try to give you the flat ones they've already poured, and then you just say no, give me a fresh one because um, it's empty anyway. And it's pretty much the same, uh, apart apart from it's not Peroni in the tolly. But, you know. No, I know. It's, it's Carlsberg, the shittiest beer, and the charge the most for it. I've gone up to £5.10 for a bottle of warm beer. Fuck me, that's awful. God, you can tell you're in bloody south at that sort of price. It's Christ. I'd be grudge playing three fifty for a beer. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it's three sixty in my local. So At least it's not Bud Light. Uh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, that's like water. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you know uh, why Bud Light is like having sex in a canoe? In a canoe? Yeah. Why? Because it's fucking close to water. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. We say that all the time here. Well, listen, we have to bear in mind, we got little Nick Hurl. Uh, I met with uh, Dave and Nick, and little Nick uh, listens to the podcast every time. So just bear that in mind when you uh, do your uh, X-rated jokes, please, Johnny. So (laughs) (laughs) also bumped into uh, Danny Wilkins, uh, the Malibu man. Uh, Scott Wise is his birthday today, so he was there as well. Um, there was quite a few. Uh, Liam and some of the old faces from the George were there. Mark and Jason uh, Porter were there. Martin Kelly. Um, and we had Dan Greening and his other half, Laura. And the Hammer, Dave, who uh, was a nice fella for um, a, a West Ham fan. But, um, yeah, 
gladly he went home not very happy not very happy so prediction league guys um it was a 3-1 win mike what did you predict with the two mics 3-1 got it yeah and so did <laughs> so did manny yep and johnny i think you'd done the guest last week you predicted 2-1 yeah but i actually put money on arsenal to win 3-1 and i won so that's Good more job. important than the prediction league well, it came after. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I was so disappointed that there was it was an own goal, not an Aubameyang goal, because I was I had two bets on, and I would have got one hundred and seventy quid if Aubameyang would have scored, because I had an Adamovich to score, Aubameyang to score, and Arsenal to win three one. At the minute, Abramovich couldn't score in a brothel, could he? Abramovich or Aubameyang? Uh, uh, Aubameyang. <laughs> Fucking uh, hell! Yeah, it's going to be a long podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Hey, listen, I'll, ha- I'll have to come clean. I have to come. It's Bank Holiday Monday here in, in London. Um, I was out this morning very early with my wife. We're doing some shopping and bits and pieces. We then went for a walk or a hobble because I've got some gout in my foot uh, in the forest local to me. Uh, come back. Um, I had to write some of the, the bits and pieces for, for the agenda for here. So I needed some peace and quiet. So I went to the pub and had a couple of pints. So I am a couple of pints in. Um, oh, that'll but... loosen you up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that might that might explain my Abramovich rather than Abamyang uh, four par. But Abamyang couldn't score if he tried in, uh, in in a brothel, could he? Don't blame the beer for your cock-ups <laughs> on the names. Mm, that's true. That's true. He's struggling for uh, he's struggling to find a goal, but I think once he gets it and gets some confidence in him, he'll be able to put a couple couple away. Maybe against Cardiff. Yeah. Um, well, on the prediction league, I predicted four one. Um, so I got a point. So I've got two points in total. Manny and Mike, uh, you've got um, three points each. So you're joint top. And the guests have one point, thanks to Johnny's... Uh, I was going to say, uh, I said 3-1 last week. You did say 3-1, but Johnny was the guest. This week, you're the guest, so um, it will be your prediction. Um, it just makes it difficult when we have some revolving people and the same people and so on. So I, I expect Manny's at Carnival or something like that. Let's do something cliche, hey? So No, he's not. I know he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um what do we predict for the Arsenal game? So, Mike, your prediction for the Arsenal game? Against Cardiff? I'm Cardiff. Go... I, I just can't see us not conceding at the moment. I think it'll it's going to take some time still. I'm going to go 2-1 to one, Arsenal. Uh, Manny did send me a message, and he actually said he agrees with you. 2-1. Surprising. He's following I'm go- me. I'm going to go 2-0 uh, to Arsenal. And I will ask Scunthorpe, Mike, what's your prediction? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go 3-1 again. Um, I can't see us not conceding it, uh, but I can't see us losing it either, so I'm going to say 3-1. And Johnny, out of courtesy, give us your prediction. Uh, I am going to go with 4-0. Wow. I'm, go- I'm going big because I think... Uh, Cardiff hasn't scored yet in the first three games. And no, this Aubameyang. is true. And Aubameyang they are defensive, however. Yeah, well, they've been pretty, pretty sturdy, but uh, we've created chances against City, Chelsea, and the Hammers. We inundated with chances. I reckon Aubameyang will come good and score a couple, and we'll win four 0 That's my prediction. Do you know over the last three games that we've given? Um, Premier League opposition, be it Chelsea, be it um, Man City, and be it West Ham, we've given them 44 opportunities to score against us. 44 opportunities. Uh, we gave disgusting, seven, that. 17, Absolutely disgusting. 17 to Man City, 24 to Chelsea, and 13 to West Ham. And I tell you what, West Ham, we're on the West Ham game now, we'll talk about the West Ham game. Um, they went 1-0 up uh, um First of all, after what was it, uh, about 15 minutes, uh, and it took us another 15 minutes to try and get one back in the box. Um, you know, if West Ham were a bit more clinical, uh, like Chelsea, if they're a bit more clinical, and if Peter Cech hasn't been as good as he's been for the first three games, despite all the criticism that people have given him, we, we'd be fucked. Wait, what, are you what? saying that it took us 15 minutes to level the score again? Uh, I didn't note down. It, it took us nearly fifteen minutes, didn't it? What was the score no. for? 
No, West Ham scored about 26 minutes in, and we scored about... Four 30. minutes, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah I, on my notes, I didn't note down the time. It didn't come up on there, because I was at the game, remember, so, you know... Yeah. Well, yeah. you were physically at the game. Uh, mentally there, too. <laughs> we did We did have a few few um, swift halves, as Mark Porter likes to say, uh, before the game. Before the game. But w- w- why... You know, what do people make of it? Like, you know, looking at the first half, what do you think? I I know um, a comment was made before about uh, the commentators on Match Today talking about Arsenal and a team of strangers. Um, you know. Yeah, I think that was my comment. It was Jonathan Pierce who made it up. Um, it was it was early into the first half, and I think it was when we went 1-0 down. And we had, um, it, what did he say? He said, there was two new players in the team. And they're playing like a bunch of strangers, which I thought, after watching numerous highlights on the game, I thought he actually hit the nail on the head on that a bit, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I I, I heard it as well, but I watched the highlights after uh, after you did, um, and I, I noted that comment as well. Uh, Johnny, what 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 did you make of it? I I thought that. Um... I used a, a, a an analogy to the guy sitting next to me. Um, I've got a new season ticket seat next to me now. And I said that the, throughout the game, there was little wafts of what is about to come. It's just starting to click. You're getting slight That's hints. those burgers on um, on Strag Green Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they, I've got the jerk chicken place next to where I go. Anyway, there's little uh, hints of what is starting to click, starting to come together. And the analogy I use is that it's kind of like you're, you're going around your mum's for a Sunday roast and you smell it down the road and you can smell and you know what's coming and your mouth starts watering. It's kind of like that. We, we can see little hints of it and we've, we're getting impatient for it to be more than just hints. And I think we, as the games are going on, we're getting more and more and more and we're getting closer to it. And... Hence, the amount of chances is going down. Our amount of possession is going up. Our recoveries higher up the pitch are increasing. Game higher, by game. Hi- higher up the pitch. Now, Jesus, if we go any higher up the pitch, they'll be in the North Bank. Honestly, it. You know, <sighs> match of the day made a comment on uh, on the analysis afterwards about Nacho Monreal and Hector Bellerin about how far forward. Uh, they are and not dropping back, and because we've got two s- slow centre halves, well, I'm, um, I've been very critical of Bellerin, as you all know, uh, over the last few weeks and at the end of last season. I'm actually giving him a little bit of slack on this one because he's actually doing what he's told to be do, do, and he is, uh, he is, he is giving some results um, on the eleventh minute. There was Bellerin, but a but a cross in. He misses Rambo, but Mkhitaryan gets it and 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 scores. Uh, Mkhitaryan belts the ball in, and I think, um, and Rambo uh, scores, but he's offside. Uh, but that that one two all the time with Bellerin, Mkhitaryan, and putting the crosses in from that corner are, are great. Monreal is doing the same sort of thing, but the need to cover. Um, the defensive duties better. Do we need to change our shape of our team? Do we need to change what needs to happen? Look, you guys, you guys seem to have a better idea technically what we need to do. Uh, Scotty, go on, come back to us. Well, yeah, I was saying, I was saying, I've been saying the same about them two being too far forward. They are too far forward. Um, but you could argue Bellerin's better off playing up there than he is in defence. Um. With they are, it's. I'm. I'm just not seeing a click with Socrates and Mustafi. I'm really not seeing that click. And I think if you're going to have two centre backs who are going to be the furthest two back, then you, you need a click. They need to be talking to each other, and I'm just not seeing that. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 John, do you have something to say on this? Yeah, I think with the centre backs, uh, it's like I was saying in the pre-season, we've got to have a back foot defender and a front foot defender and it seems that because we're pushing such a high line Emery wants two front foot defenders but you can't I think personally we need to switch it up a bit switch out Mustafi for I don't know Big Bob 
because he he's able to sit back a little bit more. He's a little bit more disciplined. I think yeah. we might see a little bit of difference there. I think it ties back to we had this conversation last season where I had mentioned that the similarities between, uh, you know, if you watched Mustafi and Kosciani, for example, they never seemed to be on the same page, right? They they were defenders who um, at times liked to anticipate the pass and jump in. And when you have two of those, it, it causes a problem, right? Where you ideally want to have one guy that's willing to step in and, and kind of uh, play the risk, but have the other guy drop back and kind of be there to cover. Um, and I agree that it seems that Mustafi and Socrates aren't necessarily on the same page yet. Um, I mean, they haven't had much time to work together. Um, I personally think that Socrates is a better defender than Mustafi. I think he's actually impressed Great. me in the three official games. Obviously, there's some some growing pains and some, some understanding, but just seeing him gesticulate on the pitch, letting the team know, let's get up the pitch, um, commenting with his teammates across, you know, across the field. I, he just comes across as, as a natural leader and Mustafi does it too, but I just, I just get a different sense of, um, leadership from, from Socrates. I'm not sure what you guys think. We should not, um, when, when, when they push forward on, on the wings, should Shaka or Taria or whoever is in that position, should they not drop back and and help and make it a three? So they should, but I think the and I paid close attention to it in the second half when Torreira came on. But and I mentioned it in my article that I just posted. Um, but when your wing backs or when your outside backs are getting up the pitch, and and the one thing that I think we can all agree on that we're seeing more of now than we have probably in a very long time at Arsenal is we're getting down to the end line and we're putting crosses in and the goals that we scored against Chelsea, both of them came from a similar play, overlapping, getting the ball pulled back into the box. We missed chances against Chelsea. Um, you know, again, against West Ham, similar situation where we got down the line multiple times, Bellerin, Monreal overlapping, crossing that ball back to the penalty spot. And we have a guy trailing to put that, put that shot on target. Um, and when your outside backs are getting up the field, you need your midfielders to then kind of tuck in um, and at least positionally be aware of if there's a break, I'm kind of going to cover this space to be able to break that up. And one thing I touched on in the article is I, I think with Gunduzi is you have a player that's capable of covering ground. He, he'll run and run and run and run, but positionally he still doesn't have that awareness, which I think, again, creates those gaps and those uncertainties with anyone else that might be making that midfield partnership with him. Whereas if you watch it in the second half with Torreira, he's more of a guy that he literally will just sit in front of the back four. So he's that guy that's going to be able to kind of be that stopgap where if they try to break on the counterattack, he's going to be able to kind of get over to allow the rest of the team to drop back. And again, having Gunduzi in there is, is helpful because he, he'll do the running that Shaka doesn't want to do and similar with El Nenny, he'll just run and run and run for days. But if you have a partnership where I think Torreira and Shaka I think will work well is because Shaka doesn't necessarily have to worry about he likes to kind of float forward and Torreira is a guy that will sit deep and then he can make those late runs into the box if he has to, but his main focus you can tell is he literally just wants to sit and protect that back four. And Gwendozi did um, nearly well with the vacated wing wing roles by um, uh, Monreal and by Bellerin. Uh, Gwendozi nearly got caught out a few times on you know by losing the ball and then just somebody's able to just run straight at our back. I'm gonna. I was just gonna jump in there quick. Sorry, Mike. Um, you have got that. That's that, that is the problem. The Jaka doesn't want to defend. Uh, you say he wants to go forward, but he doesn't show that either. He just wants to sit in one position and just pass the ball. But even still, that sometimes that comes across as wrong, uh, especially with him. Uh, with your fullbacks, you could argue with pushing them. If you're going to push them both forward like that, you could argue we could do with a back three. But I know that's not how Emery plays. He's not played any of his teams having a back three rather than a back four and having the wing backs. Um, you're always going to. The thing is, with that, if you've got no one to help the defence, you're always going to be open. And with teams with such quick players, especially in the Premier League now, 
you're going to get caught out. And it shows that we do get caught out, especially when we played Man City, we played Chelsea. We got caught out so much. We did get caught out against West Ham as well a few times. And luckily, it didn't go in. And I think there was there was a couple of times I saw in that game as well where we had six people around. Is it Artanovic and um, Anoutovic? Do you need me to teach her to? to oh, <laughs> here we go. It's my northern accent. Come on, give me a break. Anoutovic. 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 You're the last person. People. Yep. <laughs> you're the last yeah. person to be telling us how to pronounce names. Pot calling but, the kettle black here. But, you know, yeah, there you jo- go. Johnny, the main question is, did I pronounce it correctly? Anoutovic. You did. It's because you had Thank the beers. That's why. It loosens uh, you up a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> you interrupted like... me during a rant. That's the problem, you see. <laughs> But you, if you get the fucking name wrong, I'm entitled to. Otherwise, I, 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 I did keep it quiet. Otherwise, but in terms of just to touch on quickly, in terms of um, when I when I say Shaka wants to get forward, and I agree with you that if you watch him closely, he 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 doesn't want to get forward in the sense of he wants to get in the box. Shaka wants to get forward in a sense that he wants to be kind of on that line of that 30, 35 yard line, right? And he wants to kind of be that link in between when we get the ball wide to bring it and swing it across the pitch and vice versa. So he kind of wants to be the distributor in that phase of the game. He's capable of doing it deeper, but you can see someone like Ganduzi has the legs to be able to drop into that deeper role, distribute, and then get up and cover that ground. Where Shaka necessarily, if you watch him, when he recovers that ball deep, he'll either play a short ball back wide or he'll play a long ball to the wings, which then gives him more time to get up the pitch. Where Ganduzi has that capability to play it, and cover loads of ground to kind of make up for that. And, and Shaka doesn't have that. So I, it, it comes across as lazy sometimes, but if he has someone, and I've been saying this for a long time, and I know Manny doesn't agree with me, and there's many people we, that we, don't agree We have with a me. question from him. <laughs> I was <laughs> just about fine. to say we've got that question for you. But, but if he has someone that will do that defensive work for him, because that's not him, he's not a defensive player, and lets him kind of just be the pivot to distribute the ball in that final 30 yards, he's going to be helpful to the team. But if you're asking him to do a lot of things... If I can just ask a quick question, please. Uh, If you're going to do that, who do you drop for Xhaka? And and, and while you're you're answering that one, you can also answer the specific question that Manny asked, So, which was, uh, can you ask Mike... uh, And I have to quote, unquote, (laughs) (laughs) on here. And it says... What the fuck does Shaka bring to the team? And no, I don't want to hear what he can do and playing out of position bullshit. What does he bring? Fergus, please read it exactly as that. So if you can answer Scunny's question and Manny's question in your response. So I'll answer Manny's first. Um, And again, I touched on it on the article that I just posted, but what does he bring to the team? He can bring... I think he showed it again on, against West Ham. I, I agree that the first two matches of the season against Manchester City and Chelsea, he was terrible. Um, he got caught on the ball quite often. Um, he just looked heavy-legged. Um, he, I'm not sure how much of a break he had between the World Cup and, and getting back into training and if that played into it, but he looked a lot better against West Ham. Um, granted, West Ham did have a pretty open midfield. I, I talked to Fergus about it before we jumped on, and there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of open gaps in both midfields, be that ours and West Ham. There was a lot of times where players picked the ball up and ran 25, 30, 35 yards without even getting any pressure on them. Um, but with in the second half, when, when Torreira came on, you could see that it kind of loosened up uh, Shaka, but he looked a hell of a lot more comfortable on the ball. Um, he was in positions where he's not going to get caught on the ball, you know, in our defensive 15, 20 yards. So to answer the question, what can he bring to the team, is he's going to give you that the capability to pass that ball um, if he's playing in his proper position. With Torreira behind him, he's now going to be 15 yards further up the pitch, which is going to allow his passes to be more influential. Um, he had a hell of a, a few uh, challenges in that, in that game, and I don't know if you guys remember the seventh minute, which for me was a, a big one. I can't remember what West Ham player it was, but he came in from the right-hand side and cut in, and he was coming across the box, and, and Shaka just stepped in and, and eliminated that with a pretty strong challenge, which was exactly the same play that Sterling did against us 
in the first match where Bellerin forced him inside. I think it was Wilshire. I, I can't remember who it was, but Bellerin forced Sterling inside. Gunduzi was there to stop the challenge, and he kind of hesitated, and Sterling dropped his shoulder, kept going, and then scored that goal. So um, he's he's capable of putting in a challenge. He's capable of, of distributing that ball and being that connection between the defensive unit and the offensive unit. But do not ask him to be that out-and-out defensive guy because he's not going to do it. So that's why I think that with Torreira behind him, it'll free him up to be a hell of a lot more influential for the team. Unfortunately, he hasn't been linked up in his time at Arsenal with someone that will do that dirty work for him. Yeah, I think you've got a point. Unfortunately, I find that he's becoming more of a pivotal person in the, the way that we play. It happened all through our season. Everything played through him. He didn't set things up, but because he was always in the middle, always scanning for where to distribute the ball. He didn't always do it right. He didn't always do it to, you know, it wasn't always forward. But that's what he does. That's what he brings. He's the pivot in the middle. He pulls through the, um, pulls the strings uh, in that he's got everybody in his mind where he wants to play it. And I don't think he's the best at doing it. But other players who are better are also better at other things and playing in other positions, like Rambo, for example. And did you um, hear Rambo? You're talking about Rambo. Did you hear Rambo's um, post-match uh, press conference? Um, and he says he uh, he talks about uh, Unai Emery saying he wants us to press and press really high up the pitch. Uh, so that's the biggest thing, really. And then, obviously, we're trying to figure it out uh, it going forward as well. So hopefully we can can combine the two uh, next week and get another win under our belt. It, it, they, they're obviously um, they're, they're, they're obviously struggling with this change of formation, the change from the Wenger um, sort of style uh, into the uh, into the Emery style. Um, where do you think? Where do we need to add? to the squad i know we've talked about a winger and um i know we've talked about uh there's been talk about bellerin and his pace um and maybe the the three at the back um that mike was on about what do we think that bellerin could be could could be a winger then should, should we change the position because if you look at look at his pace versus uh, some of the other uh, squad members he's not very far <laughs> and we all talk about his pace but Mavropanos is uh, not Mavropanos um Socrates um is not that much slower than him you know uh, who, go on who's coming at me on this one Johnny I, I actually um got a mention on uh, the Ask cast um, podcast. Oh, the, the the more inferior podcast, yeah. The more inferior podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I asked the um, the question because we've all been discussing it for ages. I mean, I've been talking to people who sit next to me in the North Bank. Um, would it not just be better to have Lickstein to start at right back and push Bellerin forward, and then we've we can we've got then uh, wide players, the wingers, uh, so to speak. I don't think we, you really have uh, wingers nowadays. You just have uh, advanced wide players who also are able to come inside. It's not you can't, you can't put them in these pigeonholes anymore. But if we push Bellerin forward, I think he he has really pushed on uh, in terms of his attacking game. And in the last year, I would say, especially over after this summer, he's made a bit of a jump where he's been coached more. To ha- to get to the byline and pull it back. I, was- I I actually have to agree with you and, and contradict myself as well because the amount of crosses he's putting in. I always say he couldn't cross himself in church, but the crosses he's putting low on the ground rather than high crosses. He's yeah. he's been vastly improved. But the difference is he's getting to the end line. Right, where in the past Arsenal didn't get to the end line very often, right? We didn't have those overlapping runs, so they were crossing the ball from, you know, the sideline, um, you know, in line with the 18-yard box, right? So it's a it's a much different cross when you're getting to the end line and you're you're literally just driving it low and hard across the box, back to the PK spot. It's it's much different. 
on the note of him playing wide, um, here's a question for you. Do you think he has the footwork to allow him to play there consistently? I don't think he does. I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say that he does. He's not exceptional in that area. Let's say in like a, a sterling kind of area where he's got this trickery to go past people. Uh, we're not looking for a, like a Balassi funny feet kind of thing. We want clean, efficient, able to keep the ball, able to drive with the ball, not necessarily rely on tricks to get past people, but his sheer pace and drive to get there. But we've got to bear in mind, we're not driving like Anderson did against us 35, 40 yards with the ball. We're passing our way through players, through teams. That's how Emery wants us to play. So we're not relying on these people, so I say these people, our players, uh, skilling their way past people. We're, we're, we're working, our, working the ball around them and using his pace to run to the byline to cut it back. That's what Man City's been doing for the last two years. Last year, it was to such great effect that they absolutely they obliterated did, the league. They've done the same they've done the same against uh, us Man City with um uh Mendy coming in and dragging players away as they were creating he'd run to the byline bring create creating space as well. Uh, but we are creating more opportunities um overall. Uh like we created 17 opportunities and 10 on target. Um I I think as much as we're Looking shaky defensively, I think we're looking much, much better on on the attack. Go on, um, Scotty, you haven't been in for a bit. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say I do agree with Johnny there. Uh, Bellerin, he he's got the drive to go forward, and his cutbacks and everything else that he's done over the last three games have been, in all fairness, as much as we all criticise him, have been really good. Uh, the problem is he's still playing at left back. He still has his defensive duties. And he's not doing them. He just doesn't want to play there. You can tell that he doesn't want to play there. Um, right back. As, yeah, left. right back. No, sorry, left. Yeah, right back. <laughs> An Actually, I, was, I meant to play fullback, but never mind. It's uh, all right. We could do with him playing left back at this at the current moment. I don't know. I think. Well, yeah. Well, I think we could do with anyone playing left or right back. To be fair, but Natural's I can't criticize right. Monreal at the minute because Monreal, when he's getting forward, he gets forward. And I've noticed in the last in this last game, especially in the West Ham game. He cuts in and he moves into the midfield and he makes himself open and it, it's it showed when he scored that goal as well uh, the first goal for us. Um, well, he's been doing really well. I was more referring to the fact that all the other left backs are injured. I know. <laughs> yeah, we got no cover, no cover. I know. Well, I just I wanted to make I wanted to point out the Monreal thing because I don't think no anyone's mentioned it yet to be honest. So. But um, perpetually underrated Monreal. I think he's been one of our best players for the last four or five years. Totally. Yeah, agree. I'll underrated. I'll agree with that. Um, yep. but I have to go with Bellerin and our forward line yes we've created the opportunities I have seen the stats and the stats speak to themselves unfortunately we're just not putting the we're not putting the ball away and I think that is a major issue at the minute I think I think once we polish off what we're doing with the getting the crosses in and, and breaking on it the is a work in progress um, and I think once Aubameyang Hits form. Uh, I think we should be starting Lacazette more because Lacazette's having a huge influence on the formation, the way we're playing at the moment. It seems to suit him probably more than Aubameyang. Which maybe Aubameyang should go out wide. I don't know. Who was your? Who was your? Um, to finish off the West Ham game, who was your most outstanding player for Arsenal, and what was your highlight of the game uh, from e- from any aspect? Uh, mine, mine was the um, my, the best player I thought on the pitch for Arsenal was Monreal by a country mile. Um, to second that, it was his goal as well. The way it come come about, it was it it showed exactly what Emery wanted from the team, and I think that's what we need to move forward. Um, it, we are a work in progress. It's only been three games in, and we've already got the uh, drunkens <laughs> like yourself, Fergus. Obviously, it wasn't you, uh, Malibu Danny, with his, uh, <laughs> with his, uh, what was it? What he said? I'll bring Wegner back. Nah, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> you saw my response to that. 
I did see your response. I did see your response. Uh, I, I think you walked away, didn't you, at that point? I just went, oh, you fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see your point. And it, I did see you walk away at that point. And, uh, yeah, I think he's been on the Malibu way too much. Oh, he, he, I think it was, he was on stronger stuff than Malibu, but that's uh, that was Carling or something like that. Like, you know, even Carlsberg, he had a few of them. I don't think he even hit the Malibu yet, so he can't hold his drink. Oh, he's been mixing. Him. That's dangerous. <laughs> Go on. Like we, oh, well, with people saying um, bring back Wenger, I just ban them off my group on Facebook. I, I, think, <laughs> I just kick them off. I think it. I think some of it is just uh, a little bit of banter. No, some people are just being serious about it. I'm just like, fuck off, stop Move living on. in the past. Move on. Always forward. You know, that's the that's our, our just stick to the crest. So what was I, mean, your... I think it's I think it's down to as well that we haven't exactly started very well uh, this season so far. Again, we're only three games in and two of them games were against the previous champions and a team that have a well uh, you know, I mean are well suited with each other in Chelsea. So you just gotta look at that and open yeah. your eyes a bit maybe and just, just you know what I mean, keep a level head and just remember it's still a work in progress. We're only three games in, just relax. Johnny, what was your highlight of uh, your player of the game? What stood out for you for the overall for the game? Well, I, I, I'm with Mike, but just because I don't like doing the same as everybody else, I'm going to go with somebody different. Um, I, I, Rambo, actually. I, I thought Rambo had a brilliant game. I thought he really uh, he drove us forward. Uh, he didn't press as much as he did against City, say, but I think we did actually tweak our tactics slightly because we knew we were going to have more of the ball. We knew we were going to have a higher percentage of the possession. So I think we tweaked um, slightly who was doing the pressing. So I I would say Rambo had more of an influence on the game. His link-up play, especially with uh, Bellerin, when he drifted out to the right, um, it kind of led to more chances. And from across the pond, what what was your highlights? I'm, I'm, outstanding I'm player, with, um, or was there an outstanding player? I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to say that although he didn't play the whole match, um, for me, when Lacazette came on, there was just a different dynamic um, in the team going forward. His link-up play, he looks he looks much different this year. I don't know what it is. He, he, his first step seems a lot quicker. Um, he seems to have kind of adapted a little bit better to the Premier League and the expectations. His his hold-up play was fantastic. You know, he's harassing defenders. Um, it, it just it's just a it, it brings out a different approach. Um, you know, where Lacazette is capable of playing with his back to goal, holding off defenders, winning fouls, um, having that interchange with the midfielders that to then turn and go forward and. Obama Yang's more of a guy who wants to go direct. He wants to be facing you. He wants to get in behind you. He wants to take you one-on-one. So they bring the two of them bring a different dynamic, which I think is why a lot of people think that the two of them together will work because one can hold up play and have that interchange where the other one can then get in behind. So it keeps defenders on their toes. But um, I know it's been mentioned in, in the previous matches where he came on, but I thought as soon as he came on in that second half, I, I just – we just looked a completely different team going forward. I, I, I can't argue very much with that. I, I said to you leading up to this, I said about um, Lacazette, and I think he should start. He he seems to have grown on on this lot this uh, this lineup. For me, uh, one player that did stand out was um, Super Jack. He done fuck all for West Ham. But what I did like about him is he came around and applauded all the North Bay. He went right around the whole ground and acknowledged us afterwards. And uh, he did get a Super Jack from everyone at the end. So, um, and Perez, I was so fucking worried. Perez, Jesus, he nearly scored and I thought he was going to come back and haunt us. That would have been fucking awful. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. I'm the Arsenal. We got Cardiff uh, 1.30 away on Sunday. Lineup changes. Um, Will... Ozil start? Uh, should Rambo start? And add into that, when we're talking about the Rambo, Ozil and Cardiff game, uh, do we play Rambo or Ozil at a number 10? Or do we 
maybe play him at, as a deeper role, a more hard-working role, which Rambo can do uh, as a number eight. Can Ozil fill those? Who who wants to come back on that one? Oh, go on then. Let's go for that. Oh, you beat um, me to uh, it. Yeah, well, yeah, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> right. Uh, see, I would go with the same back five. Uh, I wouldn't change the back five because unless you're going to push Bellerin into a right wing position and have Licksteiner behind him, there's no point messing with it. It's, be it's better that they play more consistently together uh, and get more of a rapport. Um, Uni Uni is uh, renowned for having a starting 11 and keeping 11 as well, I believe. Mm. Well, he hasn't shown it so far. Uh, I think Torreya needs to start. I really, really do. I mean, otherwise he's going to have to wait until the Everton game, uh, I, I would say, because, um, sorry, not, yeah, the, the Everton game, he has to get him started in this game or the Newcastle game before Everton, because that's going to be a much tougher game than the, the next coming uh, away fixtures. Um, I was, yeah, so I would start Torreya alongside Grinduzzi, drop Zaka, even though, my comments earlier say he's more of a pivotal player and have Rambo ahead of them in a number 10, Mkhitaryan. Uh I would start Iwobi again because, you know, like you say, I'm quite torn whether to start Iwobi or to start with Laka. I'd like to see Laka start, but I think it's more likely that Iwobi's going to start and then Aboboyang up front. Um, mine's pretty similar, um, but I would, I would like to see Holding come in for Mustafi, and I just, I, I, I really want him off the pitch and see how either the young, you know, I mean, the two youngins do, especially against someone like Cardiff as well. Uh, even Mavropanos or Holding to come on uh, for him. Um, I'd like to see Leno start a game as well, but I, I just can't see that happening. I can see Czech uh, being in goal again. Drop Jacker because um, we all know my feelings on him, uh, and start Torreya. Keep Gwendouzi on. Keep Ozil off. Start Ramsey. I'd like to see Lacazette start up front and Aubameyang start on the left-hand side. I just can't see that happening either. So, yeah, keep Iwobi either or with Aubameyang or Lacazette. I'd like to see Lacazette start a game as well to see how he does. Uh, but I can't see anyone replacing Mkhitaryan on that right-hand side. So, um, I, they're my thoughts. So I can't see it changing much personally, but I'd like that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I don't think the uh, – I think the only changes that he'll probably most likely make from the West Ham match will be I think Torreira will come in for Guendouzi. Um, I think that he's going to go through some points where he's going to struggle. I think that was obvious against West Ham. He just – he looked real tired. He, he kind of looked a bit jaded, um, didn't look the same player he was in those first two matches. Um, I think this is an opportunity to get Torreira in there. Uh, in a match where I think Cardiff will sit deep. Um, like it was mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they haven't scored a goal in three matches. And in their last two matches, they played up a man. Um, they Newcastle got a red card in the 63rd minute, and Huddersfield, I think, was in the 66th, and they still weren't able to score. Um, so these guys are going to sit deep. Uh, they're going to try to hit us on the counterattack. So I think having Torreira there will give us that uh, comfort and stability in the bat in the midfield in front of the back four, and I think Shaka will start, and it'll allow him to kind of be a little bit further up the pitch. Can we afford to play such a high line against Warnock sort of style? I think we can. I mean, we've we've done it against other teams, and the fact that they haven't scored, um, I think, speaks for their uh, offensive capabilities. I mean, but we all know Arsenal is one of those sides where you know. Cardiff hasn't scored a goal in three matches, and then they go into this weekend and fucking score four against us. So <laughs> it's uh, you know, I, I, and the other the other change apart from Torreira coming in for Ganduzi, I think would probably be I'd like to see Aubameyang playing on the on the left with Lacazette up top. I think he's he's definitely earned his opportunity, and so I think drop against Mkhitaryan. No, I would take Iwobi out, put Aubameyang wide with Mkhitaryan on the right, and Lacazette up top. I think. I think this would be a good opportunity to test that. Okay, okay. Um, 
expectations. I, I think we all expect that we're going to win. Uh, I think it's going to be hard fought. I think an early goal uh, will be key um, for us to to build upon. I think it's all a case of building confidence and 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 um, within the squad and everything else. Um, I'll be watching in a local hostillery. Um, we do have the Jonah from South London going. Dave Hurl uh, oh, is no. he's going. Yeah. He screwed everything up last year. Let's he hope it's a different every- trend. Yeah, he was in. He was in Cologne with me. We lost <laughs> <laughs> every game we went to. We should we lost. send him to Mexico so he can go missing. Yeah, actually, that's it. <laughs> I, I, he should go to Mexico. <laughs> Let's buy him a vacation. <laughs> um, so, uh, where are you watching it then, Mike? Are you going to? You'll be what seven thirty in the morning over there. So you'll be sitting with Santi in 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 the lounge, a cup of coffee. It'll be, it's on, is it on Sunday or Saturday? I can't even remember. Sunday. Sunday, yep. So it'll be, uh, I'll tell the wife that I'll get up with Santi to feed him and then I'll just stay up and watch the match. Yeah, you're such a Bright good husband early. in that way, isn't it? That's what yeah, it. I know. Hey, well, you're, you're, you're off to... I'm heading Min- to Minneapolis tonight for work. Okay, and that's near St. Louis, isn't it? Yeah, it's not too far away. Twin Cities. And St. Louis is where the Rams were, wasn't it? Yes, they were, and Stan Kroenke and his and his people. So you could have a lot of support. We can get some listeners to the podcast if we go down and we say we hate Kroenke, join Guns <laughs> and the Yellow Ribbons. I'm actually going to post something on Twitter. I think there's a an Arsenal group in the Minneapolis area. See if I can maybe get out to one of the bars and meet meet some of those people. And uh, Manny said you might see him in a few weeks. By the way, where's he going? He's gone to NYC. Oh boy. And he said he was getting so uh, animated about your little um, response. He said you didn't respond in your in your Wenger's uh, zip, um blog thing. Um, and he said I might have to pop up to Boston and see him. I said, well, he's not quite Boston. I said he's about three hours away from New York. I said what? What? what you, sh- you should. I said, well, you're over there. It's that close. You should do so. The oh two, you God. should have a chat and see if you can meet up and do something over there. So that would be interesting. That would be good. Um, West Ham, uh, West Ham, we beat 3-1. Uh, West Ham, we beat 3-1 with the ladies as well in the Continental League Cup. So that was good on there. Their next fixture is in November. It's at Meta Farm. It's Liverpool. Um, and hopefully we'll get one of the ladies on or an Arsenal lady on to uh, talk and educate us a bit more about that. But... We've had a lot of players talk and educate us about their opinions. Um, I've got three names written down here. Um, Paul Merson. I know I'm likened to him occasionally for my pronunciation skills. Um, talking about uh, how Mkhitaryan and Ozil don't fit in a team under Emery. Uh, you had Gary Neville and his comments last Monday on um, the debate between Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. And then Tony Adams, Captain Tony Adams, slagging off the new manager. I, I don't know. I, who, God, somebody talk to me. We did touch on the Tony Adams comments last week, didn't we? Uh, no, that, can't, that no. Tony Adams had made comments. These are subsequent Tony Adams comments again, saying the same shit no. again. Yeah, well, I'm going to agree with Manny from what he said last week as well. I'm I'm really slowly losing respect for him. I think he's a legend. He needs to stay a legend. And, you know what I mean? Don't make these silly comments. Um, you're not doing yourself any favours with the Arsenal fans at all. Um, with Paul Merson, uh, it's just Paul Merson, isn't it? I think he just, he just likes to talk maybe a bit too much. Um, especially with his uh, similar to you, Inti, with his name pronunciation. Merson's a ledge. <laughs> um, Always will be. I loved his book actually. Uh, how how not to be a professional footballer. Um, it, it's a picture of him on the front of like a the, similar to a Stella can. And oh Jesus I'll Christ! I'll have to read that one. I don't think uh, it, 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 it's re- it's really good. Is it and good? You, yeah. You just try and see how the fuck did this guy play football when he was bang out on all sorts of stuff it wasn't just him there was a there's a fair few of him during that era of football as well i think the, i think most of them were half cut during games weren't they well there was the old tuesday club wasn't it with yeah Tony exactly Ad- yeah, Tony yeah. Adams and so on, um so. Uh, with the gary neville comments on that monday um i thought he made some really valid comments i actually found myself for a change agreeing with him um sometimes he does talk absolute nonsense but in this respect, I actually agreed with him. Jamie Carragher is an absolute tool. Well, 
I'm not going to uh, say the word. Tool. <laughs> but we'll go with that one. We'll go with Tool. Yeah, absolute Tool. And how he's back in that studio, I don't know, after his little outburst. I, my conspiracy theory sort of thing on this is um, a bit of that was scripted and everything else. Yeah. And it's all to bring... Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, because the two of them doing as much as we don't like. Well, I don't like either the, either the guys as footballers. Um, as a pundit, I find Gary Neville actually quite educated and quite informative. Um, and as Saturday night, I'm uh, sorry, Monday night um, football, I actually like the Monday night football thing that we're missing right now. Um, yeah. I like the I like the Monday night football thing, and it generally is. And I think that that was all a big big hoo ha to try and raise Jamie Carragher's profile again to come back in after he gobbed at some bird in a car. So but, It wasn't a bird, was it? Was it a child? <laughs> well, some, yeah, it was a teenage... Yeah, teenage it was only girl. a young lass, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, it was a young lass, yeah. Yeah, you would listen but, to... Uh, yeah, yeah. He, the guy's an idiot. Simple yeah. Um, yeah, but like, when you go on stuff like that, like, like you say about Gary Neville, uh, as a footballer, he was a bit of a... Yeah, um, again, I'm not going to say the word, but you can't argue with his... You know, I mean, his honours, he's got a fair whack of him, anti, to be fair. Uh, again, as a commentator or a pundit, uh, he's questionable. He's a bit of an idiot. He talks a lot of shite. A lot. So I, I can't really say much more else on them, to be honest. But, but I did agree with everything. You know, I mean, the majority of what he was saying on that Monday night, I agreed with quite a lot of it, and I thought he talked a lot of sense. And he was the only person that I found that, punditry-wise, that is actually taking the effort to have a look at the bigger picture rather than go straight out there and slag everyone off. You know what I mean? Slag the whole team off. You no, know what no, I mean? I, slag I Emery off and everything else. And it's, it's only been three games again. So Go on, Fergus. Sorry. I interrupted you this time. No, no, no. You didn't. I was just agreeing with you. That was all. Ah, sorry. No, bloody hell. Are you feeling all right? Yeah, no. I don't know. I, I've covered over all funny. Johnny, you were going to say something. Oh, you just got the beer sweats. No, is it's that, not. Is that gout giving you? Is that gout giving you jip? Oh Jesus! I hope you're on some good painkillers. Oh, uh, that's horrible stuff. That gout, ch- cherry juice, and uh, baking soda in uh, water. Oh, all the oh, old wives. You girls. oldies, I tell you, somehow. Mate, I'm not that old. I'm not that much older than you. You're older than me. That's the main thing. Yeah. Uh, go on. Yeah. Well, you have got quite a few more grey hairs than us, so. There you go. That's anyway, so we're we're t- <laughs> we're talking about the, the these players giving their opinions. I think I'm the same when it comes to Tony Adams. You know, if he wants to keep his his statue outside, he needs to keep his fucking gob shut. Uh, Merson had a bit of a point when it comes to uh, the Urzel Mkhitaryan thing, but I think Mkhitaryan might prove him wrong because he's more adaptable. And he's shown that in recent games, you know, he's starting to change the way he plays, and he's, I would say, uh, a better, a better long-term prospect, or say, mid-term prospect. Uh, whereas Ozil, I think, whatever happened uh, for him not coming to the Hammers game, I think maybe uh, we might look to ship him out at the end of the season because I don't think he's that hard-working number ten. That we need, I think we should go all out. We should be paying Ram, Rambo the uh, the big bucks and ship out Ozil. Yeah, listen, humour me on this one for a second. I said uh, on a re- response to a post where it was a uh, Ozil love and hating sort of um, post. Um, when is Ozil actually? He he's an excellent player, and he was a fantastic player at Real Madrid. He was a fantastic player at Germany, and so on. Surrounded by top, 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 top players, he's now at Arsenal, and Arsenal don't have as many top, 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 top. I think that's enough top players. Um, and you know, is he just actually too good for the squad they've got around us? Should he also, if he is that good, should he be a leader, or can he not lead? Should he be a leader and drag the fairly good players that we've got at Arsenal up to his sort of standard? He seems to be dumbing down to their standard. Who wants to come back on that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go on, Boston. I was just going to say, I don't think that... uh, I think Ramsey has enough around him. Um, 
I just think it's a matter of kind of I think we can all agree that Ramsey, or at least I think that there's there's points in a match that he can be extremely erratic. Um, there's a lot of there's a, a, a couple times during a match where you'll see where he'll just you know go off the edge and just pressure and just chase the ball like a little kid, and then there's other times where he's he's more tactical and and more organized and kind of how he approaches things. And and I think with Emery's style, it might fit him a little bit more because he likes to, you know, get stuck in. He likes to chase people, um, you know, more often than not. And, and in the past it may have hurt him more because Wenger wasn't really the type of guy that was, uh, you know, looking for a high press style of play. So, you know, the thing with the high press is if everyone doesn't go, it doesn't work, right? So if you have Ramsey pressuring the ball and they break that line of pressure, then essentially you're chasing back, right? So you're, you're wasting your energy. So I think that he's he's capable of playing that number ten role, but to be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't consider him to be one of the best in that role in the world. And while people rate Ozil to be one of the best, I think he's capable of being one of the best, but I think. For him to be one of the best in that role, he needs to be on a team like, you know, Real Madrid or PSG or uh, even a Man City, where his defensive duties are limited and he can just sit in that final 30 yards and just pick passes. And a team where he's going to have to chase the ball, he's going to have to put an effort in. I just don't see it fitting his style. And of the two, I think it fits Rambo more because he, he's tireless. He'll just run and run and run. And I. I agree that maybe it makes sense to move him on. The problem is who's going to sign him. Yep. You see, I, I don't agree with anything like that, with the, especially with Ozil and stuff like that. What you said anyway, Fergus, about him being a top, top, top player. Yes, he had loads. Well, you know, he had loads of players around him at Real Madrid uh, who were amazing players and like they were on the top level. I think they were showing Ozil to be better than what he was, uh, especially over these few seasons especially with us being at Arsenal, like you said, he should be, especially being that person who everyone thought he can be. Um, I know his stats speak for himself, but we have touched on stats before, so I'm not going to go too much into that. He should be stepping up. He should be showing how good he really can be. And over these last two seasons, I've noticed he's dropped off. He's gone to sleep. He doesn't care. With Wegner, he got away with it. Uh, he was Wegner's man. He brought him in. He thought he was a be-all and end-all. He must have done somewhere. So surely must someone must have thought, thought, thought he was amazing. But he's not shown his quality of what people are saying he's showing. He can he can be. He's not showing how, it. How many, how many great games has he? I, 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 he's had a couple had... of good games. I wouldn't say great. He's had a few good games. But how to many be great a great player, to be a great player, you've got to show you can turn up to every game. Look, if you're looking at that as well with the, the amount of money he's on, 350000 a week, I would put at literally a handful of players that should be on around that or more. And there isn't many that should be on 350000 a week, in my personal opinion. Rambo? I would agree. I wouldn't put Rambo on three hundred and fifty grand a week. Uh, I agree with what Mike was saying earlier about Rambo. He does, you know what I mean? It's to and fro with him. I do, though, personally think he should be... He's showing, at the minute, over the last... When he came on against Chelsea and when he played against West Ham, he's showing he wants that contract. He wants a contract. Which contract? Real Madrid contract? This is, no, he, well, this is it. He's showing he wants a contract. I'm not saying who or where. I just don't know. But he's showing he wants a contract. He's getting stuck in. He's creating chances. He's playing with the team around him. Ozil doesn't want to do that. Ozil will just rather stand there, pass the ball. If it goes to someone, it goes to someone. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And he'll just carry on standing there. When he come off against Chelsea, you saw his face. And I've mentioned it on the last one when we said about Chelsea. You saw his face. His face went straight to the floor. He, couldn't, he didn't want to applaud the fans or anything like that. And he got booed. We, uh, question is, I think the question at the time was, was it the Chelsea fans or was it our fans that booed him? I I personally thought it was the Chelsea fans, but he got booed nonetheless. They're booing him for a reason. He just doesn't want to play. And if if he doesn't want to play at Arsenal, then go. You know, just go. Yeah, I think and the difference. As is, for the oh, sorry, no, go, go, no, go, no, go ahead, finish what you're. I was going to say. Yeah, as for the rumours about him either being ill or spitting his dummy out, 
well, you could argue that he's always bloody ill. He never turns up, uh, especially towards the end of last season. He, he was never there. And then, uh, obviously, he could argue the fact, yeah, he probably did spit his dummy out because it's, someone's actually gone to him and told him, you're not playing good enough, you're off the team. Yeah, I think that, uh, like we had just mentioned, I, given the, the personnel he had around him at Real Madrid, um, given the league as well, I mean, let's face it, that's maybe a two, three-horse race. A lot of, it's you watch definitely a lot of just a two. Matches. It's a three-horse race recently, but a two yeah. is a more, more, when he was there, he was a two-horse race. Yeah, and if you watch those matches, I mean, the opposing teams give teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona a load of respect, so you're going to have a lot more time on the ball. Um and on on the national team as well, same thing, right? He's these guys are further up the pitch. Defensive requirements are limited, um, and the difference is Ramsey puts his, puts himself about. You know, he's tireless. Again, at times may be erratic, but what Emery's going to want is a guy that's going to put himself about and he's going to work. And unfortunately, Ozil doesn't necessarily fit that mold. Yes, if you put him in the final third. He can pick, you know, amazing passes and has incredible vision. But do you really want, you know, one player in the squad who's not going to put in the same effort as everyone else? For, again, like I said, if you're going to pressure, everyone has to pressure. If you have one guy that doesn't pressure, that allows them to break that line of pressure. And then everyone that did pressure is essentially out of the play and now chasing the ball. So it's I think it's a make or break season for Ozil. I, th- I think if you compare Ozil to other number 10s, other uh, creative uh, players uh, of his ilk. Look at uh, Iniesta, look at Xavi. You don't find them uh, shirking their defensive responsibilities. They press with the rest of the team. And Barcelona have been in the last well, eight years, ten years, the best team-pressing uh, team in, in Europe. And he doesn't shirk his responsibility, or they don't shirk their responsibilities. So if we want to play this way, he either needs to step up or fuck off. So I love, I do love him. You know, there's that joke, uh, God took seven days to create the world, and then he, on the eighth day, Ozil created space. That's fine when he's playing his, his <laughs> best game, but he hasn't been bringing it. He hasn't. And it's like I was saying about Burkamp uh, in a previous podcast. The difference between the two number tens is that Burkamp made the players around him better, whereas Ozil needs needs players be built around him. You know, they everybody else has to play better because he's on the pitch. So, so in summary, uh, do you agree or disagree with my point? You know what? It was so long ago, I can't bloody remember it. <laughs> Basically, Ozil is... A, <laughs> I was thinking o- the same. Ozil's a, Ozil's a great player. The players that are Arsenal aren't as good as him. He should actually bring them up. A bit what you said about the, the Burkamp thing. He should bring them up to his level, but in actual fact, he's gone back to their level, or if not below. I, I actually, uh, as somebody that has dealt with a lot of mental illness in recent you know, the last 10 years or so with myself and other people. Um, I actually think he might be suffering with depression. There is talk of that. There is talk of that. I think there, there is some uh, mental struggle there f- for him. I hope it isn't the case. I hope he has just got the sniffles. But which would you prefer? Him to pull a sickie, or him to have a debilitating men, uh, mental block. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. We none of us wish anything, even even to opposition players. Are like you. You go through Gary Speed and so on. There's many a player that have gone through all. I think all recently such... was was it Danny Rose who come out with it yeah, as well? Yeah, 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 I know it's a spud, but to go on to reiterate, it, it doesn't. What, ma- Johnny yeah. just said. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are, they're people. And I think that's what you were, what you were going to say, um, Mike. But listen, that could start us off on a, another hour debate. This has been, it's been a good podcast. I really enjoyed it, guys, again. Um, remember, we have got the Europa League draw on Thursday. 
and our Friday, Friday um, at midday, and I think the League Cup draw. I couldn't find it exactly, but I'm, I, I remember hearing something about the League Cup draw is also at the end of the week. Uh, am I right on that, Johnny? Yeah, I think they're both on Friday because we were chatting about it earlier. Yeah, and the Europa League is on Friday, and I think the League Cup is too. Yeah. So listen. Another great podcast. Remember, this is an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Please do like, review, share us. Uh, do what you do. Um, I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you guys uh, have joined us. Um, Johnny, you can get back to that Kit Kat. Um, uh, that's long gone. <laughs> that's long oh, gone. I inhaled that a lot before we, <laughs> before we even started uh, recording. He swallowed it whole. <laughs> oh, uh, we 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 did the cause cause is making a, a um a swift recovery, isn't he? Yeah, yeah yes. well yeah, ahead of time. Yeah, from all accounts so far, he's already back on the training ground, getting his fitness up. What we're going to try is way ahead of schedule. What we're going to try and do is we're going to try and make sure that these are sixty minutes, and we're also going to try and do a half hour one, probably midweek with one or two or something like that, and we can pick a subject, be it causes injury or something like that in the next couple of weeks they'll be starting but that that will be good you've got a plane to catch boston haven't you i do and you've got a whippet to walk haven't you skinny no <laughs> <laughs> the indignant silence <laughs> <laughs> you have Listen, a pint to finish don't you fergus uh, i've got one yeah definitely definitely i'm gonna go i'm gonna have to try and watch um I don't know who I want to win, Man United. I, I tell you what, I want a nuclear disaster at Old Trafford. That would, that would be, that would be <laughs> four bad. sendings off, two players pulled off uh, on stretcher, and a board draw. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather have a nuclear disaster at bloody <laughs> Tottenham. I know that one. Uh, listen, it's been good. Remember, up the Arsenal. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons and remember to rate and review us too.